Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about a very important issue today. We're going to be talking about vaccine mandates and religious exemptions. And many of you are facing this, unfortunately, at your employment. And we've gotten calls and emails and messages into the offices of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Of course, we, we defend and support standing for individual conscience and religious liberty. We have for the last 30 years, and we're going to continue to do so. And the battlefront for religious liberty is raging now. And unfortunately, it's over the vaccine issue, the vaccine COVID-19 vaccine issue. Now, again, many of us were thankful that the vaccine was available for those who wanted it, obviously, during the pandemic. And uh, people would be making choices, whether they, those were health choices, religious or conscience choices, whether to take the vaccine or not. Those who wanted the vaccine, of course, it was readily available. Well, we've come to an issue now where many employers and government is pushing for mandates of the vaccine. This is causing a lot of consternation and problems for a lot of people, including our military personnel, our emergency frontline workers, those who work in our hospitals, our RNs, our nurses' aides, physicians, uh, physicians' assistants, all are faced now with termination of employment if they don't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, one of our good friends who's on the battlefront for religious liberty is Matt Staver. He's the chairman of Liberty Council, and they've been around for a while, and they've been working to defend the church's right and religious liberty across our country. And right now, their phone lines are blowing up there at Liberty Council, and they're helping people literally at no cost because it's a ministry, and we want to encourage you to make contributions to Liberty Council right now because their staff attorneys are helping people across the country. And with me on the phone is the chairman of Liberty Council, Matt Staver. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you. Very good to be with you. Well, Matt, we want to thank you. I saw the 26-minute video that you put out. In fact, today's podcast is going to have that embedded in it. And those uh, listening by way of radio, you can go to our website. We'll have the link of the 26-minute video that Matt has put out. And I want to thank you for the kindness and, and encouragement that you gave. In fact, it just really touched my wife and I. As she's been 22 years in RN at a local hospital, and unfortunately, her employer is requiring the vaccine, and very limited exemptions are being provided. We saw the one for health exemption, and it puts all liability back on the individual. Now, again, these are the same people that worked front line in the COVID-19 pandemic last year. Now they're being shown the door if they do not take the vaccine. And again, for various reasons, personal reasons, health reasons, or religious conscience reasons. So, Matt, what's happening at Liberty Council? You're getting calls all across the country. We are, uh, Chris. And, you know, the fact is we've never experienced anything like this since Liberty Council was founded in 1989. There is nothing that compares to this. We thought the church litigation was very intense because we worked early hours of the morning through the nights on weekends through holidays, but it's not anything like this because this is even much more massive. This is really a national emergency, and the stories that we're receiving are emotionally draining. 
You know, for example, let's start off with healthcare workers as an example. In Maine, for example, we just filed suit. We're getting ready to go to an injunction hearing. The governor there in Maine said all private and public health care workers need to get the COVID shot by a certain date with no exemptions, no religious exemptions whatsoever. She essentially thinks that federal law, Title VII, and for those in the public sector, the First Amendment, does not apply in Maine. But that's the kind of thing that we're seeing across the country. These health care workers, she called them correctly superheroes, and that's exactly what they are. And all of these health care workers... They went to these hospitals day in and day out when a lot of people around the country and their community were on lockdowns. They went to work every single day. Uh, they went to work when there was very few cars on the road, and they went into the actual places where people were being brought with COVID. They treated people with COVID. They held their hands. They saw them go through the process. They then came home. They didn't know what they were bringing home, whether they would bring home some disease that would either they would succumb to or their families would succumb to, and they worked every day because they are superheroes. They worked through that all the way through December of 2020 when the first COVID shot came on the market, then right after that, Moderna, then earlier this year, Johnson & Johnson. These shots have been on the market since December, nine months from the first one, December. COVID's been on uh, out there. They've gone to work during COVID, they've gone to work when the shots were available. They've gone to work during the Delta uh, variant and any other variants that actually preceded it. And now, all of a sudden, what's changed? Nothing. We still have COVID. We still have Delta. The shots have been available for months. What's changed? There's a mandate that's come down from somebody, whether it's in, in your case, your, your wife's employer or wherever it may be, that all of a sudden... Now you healthcare workers, some of which actually have received COVID, they've come through it. And by the way, the study out of Israel just shows that your immunity to getting COVID is 13 times greater than anything that any kind of artificial shot can give you. So, you know, there is no reason for somebody to get a shot that's had COVID. But they are willing to go back into that environment. They've been doing it for months. The shots have been available for months. The Delta variant has been out there for months. And now all of a sudden they're being told, these superheroes, that if you don't get the shot, you'll be terminated. To understand the magnitude of this, at one hospital, we represent employees, and that hospital employs 23,000 people. 19,000 people, 80-plus percent, do not want the shot. Oh, wow. Another hospital, we represent employees, 14,000 people. 66% of them do not want the shot. We're talking about massive amounts of individuals. And we're seeing numbers like that across the country, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in the airline industry, whether it's pilots, flight attendants, you name it, in other sectors. And you have this insanity out there. For example, we represent someone who works for a Fortune 100 company and other employees, and she is classified as a permanent remote employee. She never goes into the office. She never visits clients. Everything she does is by telephone and virtual meetings. She's being told, get the shot or be terminated. Now, what sense does that make? We get calls from someone, just a man recently called, and he was weeping on the phone because his employer said, you need to get the shot. He does not want to get the shot. They will terminate him. He'll lose his health insurance, and his wife has MS. We have someone who was on dialysis, just got removed from dialysis because he refused to get the shot. Somebody who's on kidney transplant got removed from kidney transplant list because he refuses to get the shot. We have health care workers like your, like your wife just last week, for example, in Maine, 
uh, got terminated because uh, this nurse gave a religious exemption request, was called in, and was terminated. She went immediately to another healthcare facility and said, um, I'd like to be able to work here. They said, we'd love to have you. We need you. But unfortunately, the governor says we can't give a religious exemption. And that's the case that we're in litigation with. We have people in the military. We have, a, we have many, many people like this. But one that was really compelling said that he enlisted right after 9-11, like many of his comrades and colleagues, fellow soldiers, because they wanted to fight for the country. They didn't have their youth stolen. They voluntarily gave it away. They've missed birthdays and Christmases. They've missed Thanksgivings. They've missed the first words, the first walk of their kids. They were, they've missed all these different events with their family. Why? Because they love this country and they fight for it. They are heroes like healthcare workers, and now they're being looked at as traitors, unpatriotic. And they are now, even this week, being called before the JAG uh, attorneys in court hearings to be dishonorably discharged if they refuse to get the shot. And my if we son, go back, you know, at the at the anthrax shots under George W. Bush, what happened there? They got the anthrax shots, and we get emails from people who are still on disability from those experimental shots. As well. Absolutely. And my son, who served in the 82nd Airborne, and many of his fellow uh, uh, service members that he's still in contact with, they're facing the same scenario, and they are leaving the military, and they're going to be dishonorably discharged just a year or two from their 20-year retirement and uh, they said, we cannot take that shot. We will not take that shot. Matt, this is happening in real time. My wife's hospital is looking at employees in just a matter of weeks walking out or yeah. will be terminated if they don't take the vaccine, and they're not. Folks, you need to listen. You'll say, well, they can get unemployment. No, they can't. No. If they're terminated for this reason, they cannot get unemployment. Last year, we gave unemployment to everyone. In fact, the unemployment fraud numbers in Ohio alone are astronomical. That means foreign entities and other people that shouldn't have been getting the unemployment benefit when the government was pushing money out the door all got benefits. These frontline workers won't get the unemployment benefit. They'll be without an unemployment, without a job. And folks better wake up as to what's going on here, Matt, because it's their problem today. It's your problem tomorrow. You go into that hospital that's already currently understaffed and doesn't have the personnel to help you, it now becomes your problem. You know, the general public really should be in an outrage. We're about to write a letter to Governor DeWine, and, you know, and I've written him several letters uh, over the last year with all this going on. The governor's been good on some things. He's been bad on other things. This is one of those in which the governor is just, I don't understand it, Matt. He's almost like mindless when it comes to this thing, and he's not giving any relief or an exemption for these frontline workers. And I, I think they're trying to call bluff and say, oh, they'll go ahead and get the vaccine. Wait until they find out how determined these individuals are. And again, if it's your health, look, it might even be your life. Let's not forget, 24,000 people, according to the CDC VAERS website, have died because of the vaccine. Over yeah. 500,000 anomalies. That means uh, complications with the vaccines. It, but I don't even need those statistics, Matt. All I have to do is pull people that I know in my own family who have had serious complications with the vaccine. We're not saying uh, don't take the vaccine, but we're saying it comes with high risks and with serious side effects. And for those who aren't taking it, for instance, with blood clots, uh, people who have blood clot issues, they're not going to be taking the vaccine because it is notoriously uh, problematic for that. So these are real issues in real time, and we need to really have an adult conversation. I want to say to our listeners, you know, 
We often say, let's appeal to government. Well, government cannot help you at this time. We need to turn to ourselves, to our God, and to our own advice and counsel on our religious liberty issues. And Matt, that's why what you're doing right now is helping so many people. Chris, what you're saying, I just want to reiterate that for those that are listening. What you just said, I said 80% of this one hospital, 66 at another, you said 45% at your wife's. Those are the real numbers. That is staggering. That's why this is a national emergency. Because if you just take 5% across the board of all healthcare workers and just wipe them out, just 5%, maybe even less than that, you'll have a healthcare crisis. We already have the problem of traveling nurses. They are traveling from hospital to hospital to hospital trying to fill in those gaps. You cannot afford this kind of massive layoff and termination. And you're exactly right. They're requiring these people, if you don't get the shot, we will consider that you, quote, voluntarily resigned. Why? Because they want to cheat them out of unemployment. And this is happening in the military and, and the adverse reactions. You don't even need to go to VAERS anymore, like you just said, because so many people are saying, I know someone in my family. I have an immediate friend that actually had the shot that died or that is, you know, in very serious situation as a result of this shot. Many of the healthcare workers, for a lot of different reasons, yes, they've treated COVID patients, but you know what? They've also now started to treat many of these adverse reactions from the shots. One of my EMS uh, clients that we have just pulled a 24-hour shift. That's what these people do. That's what they do. Yes. When we're sleeping, they pull 24-hour shifts because that is their mission. And uh, she says one in five calls that her EMS unit is getting now and it's been like this for a while, is adverse reactions from the shot itself. This is a national emergency. Your governor, your people need to speak up because this has to stop. No matter what your position is on the shots, no matter where you are, That's right. this is inhumane. This is wrong, and if we allow this to happen, it is a national emergency. And I can tell you what, there are incredible amount of, uh, of many people, tens and tens and tens of millions of people that will be not only put out on the street, but so many other things will happen to them. And then some people that are going to be forced, let me just give you an example. One of the major, major airlines, uh, one of the employees uh, succumbed to the pressure, uh, had an anaphylactic shock and is no longer with us. He, he chose oh. his job and he lost his life. Sorry to hear that. What we're talking to, we're, we're working with over 15 major airlines, the biggest names that you can imagine. We're being told by pilots and other attendants that says that this is causing stress, the stress is causing distractions, the distractions are causing an increase in safety incidents. I'm not talking about from the shots itself, I'm talking about from the pressure to get the shots because they don't want them. And they, like healthcare workers, like our men and women in the military, they also work through the pandemic. So this is a national emergency, it's insane, it's got to stop. Well, Matt, again, I want to thank you and Liberty Council and the fine work that you're doing. And I know that your staff is just uh, working really crazily to get people aid and help. But folks can go to the website, and let's direct them there. That's lc.org, just literally lc.org. That's Liberty Council. And then you want to go to the tab of uh, legal help and then scroll down to VAX exemption request forms. And then there's a long list of PDFs and informational video that Matt has put out that will walk you through the process. Also, because you can actually file this religious exemption yourself with your employer. And again, you know, I'm thinking, Matt, in some instances, and not one size fits all, and there might, and you've got a variety of things. You've got pastoral sam sample letters here. I've talked to clergy who are willing to sign attesting to 
the person's religious beliefs, but there are other people who are saying, I'm writing a very simple religious form. For my employer to ask me for verification in and of itself is an insult to my faith. I have demonstrated my faith in the years that I've worked here. I'm only going to quote back to them chapter uh, Title Seven of the Employee Code. I know that there's a, a variety of examples that you have here on the website. Uh, kind of walk us through that process, because yeah. I know that not every situation is the same. Yeah, we put those up there because some people are being asked to have those clergy forms. We tell them that they're not required. Frankly, they're illegal. But you could either provide one if you want to. You don't have to. If they become an issue, you know, Title Seven for people that are in the private and public sector and the First Amendment for people that are in the public sector in addition to Title Seven clearly says, look, it's not your clergy's belief that's an issue. It's not your your church's belief, your denomination, your synagogue. It's your belief. It's whether or not. the only There's only one question. Do you, as an individual, have a sincere belief? Is it sincere? If the answer to that is yes, then they have to engage in reasonable accommodation. Now, can they say, well, we can't accommodate you? Look at this. We've had months and months and months and months of accommodation, right, without these shots like the healthcare workers. They've gone to work. They've done the PPE. They've done <clears throat> other um, sanitization issues. They've worked through this process without the shots. So past is prologue. What they've done in the past, they can do now. There is no reason to mandate these shots. So it is going to be very, very difficult for an employer to say, I can't recognize your religious belief because it's an undue hardship. And it's on it's unconstitutional and it's illegal under federal law, Title VII, to say that they're going to debate with your theology. They can't do that. So we actually will be putting later up uh, today on that same website uh, some of the additional case law and language from Title VII and even from the Supreme Court that really underscores that point because some people are being hassled and the employer is questioning their religious belief. Well, they can't do that. The employer nor government, nor your military commander is in the position to determine which belief is orthodox and acceptable and which is not. They have one question. Is it sincere? Are you just putting up a sham? Or is this what you really believe? If that's what you believe, fine. Then then the law tells me I have to engage in a reasonable accommodation. And obviously, that's what we've been doing for months. So let's just continue on and don't push these shots. Well, that's right. And many of you that are listening can actually find the very simple forms that you'll need to uh, provide your employer. In fact, your your employer should provide it uh, for you. So if you've heard an announcement of mandate uh, mandating vaccine, we would encourage you to get the forms quickly to fill out. And so <clears throat> whether that's a religious exemption or whether it's a medical exemption, let's take a minute on the medical exemptions, Matt. We've seen like the one in case for my wife at the hospital there, these attorneys drew it up. It puts all liability back on her. For instance, it gives a scenario that uh, as an unvaccinated employee, if she was to walk into a room, of course, as a case manager, RN, she does. And in discussion with the uh, you know, uh, patient, if that patient ends up getting uh, COVID-19, uh, it, regardless of how they got it, the responsibility, the onus is back on her. What would you say to the employees that are looking at um, health exemptions? Yeah, I, well, first of all, if you have a health exemption, definitely do it. And if you have a health exemption and religious exemption, do both. 
But you know what's happening, Chris? Um, and I don't know where these ideas are coming from, but it must be some national thing that's happening because we're seeing this pop up where, okay, we'll give you this exemption, but you've got to sign this form. It's got eight or nine points on it, and some of these are okay. And many of them are just like you're saying. Oh, I can't accept that. So we have a standard piece of uh, language that we have said. You can sign what you can agree to. Those things that you can agree to, you can put an asterisk. And the asterisk, then you put down the information that we've given you. And basically it says, I understand that's your position, but by signing this, I'm not waiving any legal rights. And it goes on and on and on about that. So, you know, it's not like you're really agreeing to that because that's just nonsensical. It's illegal what these uh, employers are doing or these others that are doing those kinds of uh, got you kind of questions, you know. So we have a standard language for that. So if your wife or anyone else has that kind of information that they're being required to submit, sign off in addition to the religious exemption form or the medical exemption form, let us know uh, because we've, we've seen that happen and we have a response to that. Governor Abbott in Texas uh, signed an executive order of no vaccine mandates. Is that applicable to all uh, across the board of uh, areas of employment or how is that working out? Well, in fact, uh, Florida was the very first one issued an executive order and then a state statute and then um, Texas as well and then many, many other uh, states have done it. But most of these are applying to government can't require it and then others have, like Florida and Texas, private companies can apply it, apply it or require a vaccine mandate or a vaccine passport. But that's for patrons coming into a public place like like going on a cruise ship in Florida or Texas or going into a restaurant or going into a public place, and they don't necessarily apply to employers right. with regards to employees. So there is a language in Title Seven, some of the guidance that came out earlier this year, number one, that says that you can provide an incentive, but you can't force it. There's some things in OSHA that say that if an employer or, say, a school forces it and somebody gets injured, the employer is going to be liable. Uh, but the bottom line is that Title VII and other state law, in many cases, allows you either to have a religious opt-out, and in many states, not only a religious opt-out, some kind of conscience opt-out, and in all states, a medical opt-out. Very good. Matt, thank you so much for taking time today and taking time out of your schedule to be with us here in Ohio. We appreciate it. Uh, the number one employer in Ohio is through our medical facilities of hospitals and medic medicine across the state. So this really applies to the number one industry in Ohio. We appreciate you taking time today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And again, you can go to lc.org, click on the Legal Help tab. If you're being forced or know somebody is, send them to lc.org, click on the Legal Help tab. And then for more information on these particular shots, you can go to lc.org forward slash vaccine, lc.org forward slash vaccine. Thank you, Matt. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. God bless. And our prayers are with you. And again, if when you visit that site, look for an opportunity to donate to Liberty Council for all the fine work that they're doing. Again, that's lc.org, and then go to the Legal Help tab and go to Vaccine Exemption. Share that with family and friends who are faced with this issue right now. Well, stand by. We're going to talk to a state representative who is fighting for our rights on the vaccine mandate. That's State Representative Scott Wiggum. He's coming up next. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and we're back, and I uh, want to thank uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council for being on with us, and some very important information. If you missed part of that segment, you can hear it in its entirety on our website at ohioca.org. You can also visit the Liberty Council website at lc.org, and again, that's for uh, vaccine mandate uh, religious exemptions. Uh, the information is all there on the Liberty Council website. Well, we talked about those at the State House who are actually fighting for our freedoms, the right to um, actually be exempted from the mandates of these vaccines. There's nothing in legislation currently in House Bill 243, which had a hearing last week, as uh, there were actually protesters out front of the State House, as there has been in front of many hospitals across the state that are beginning to mandate this vaccine and really not giving much of an exemption to their employees. Uh, who either for medical, uh, religious, or indi- or just individual conscience are not getting the vaccine, and that's their health choice. The hospital associations are not really giving much of a uh, leeway or exemption to these employees. So there were protests at the state house, and inside in the health committee was, of course, uh, the hearings that went on. House Bill 243. Well, we've received reports that that bill may not be going anywhere, and so unfortunately. Uh, this will not come in time, any legislative relief that we're aware of that will actually help the people that in a matter of weeks are facing termination of employment. But that doesn't mean there aren't people fighting for our liberties at the Ohio State House and are just as concerned as you and I are on this important issue. With me on the phone is State Representative Scott Wiggum. And uh, Representative Wiggum is actually uh, one of those who believes that Ohioans ought to have their choice in the matter of uh, vaccines not to be mandated. Representative, thank you for joining us on the program. 
Thank you, Chris, for having me. Appreciate being here. Well, Representative, you've actually received quite a few calls and emails into your office. Give us an idea of what some of those uh, concerns are from your constituents. Well, uh, every day, and I think just nearly, um, I would say most representatives are getting this, and I would encourage people to continue uh, contacting the representatives when they know that uh, either a, a mandate or an order is coming down uh, from either their business or their place of work or their or their school. Um, we need to be contacted over and over again. I'm contacted probably about six to seven times a day. Um, we, we are logging that in. I'm trying to get back a hold of people, let them know where uh, this legislation is, what the, what the problems that we have had, um, trying to get it through, and maybe what the answers are. But I can tell you the pressure is mounting. Uh, on, on Columbus and the in our caucus, especially I'm in the Republican caucus. Uh, I, I think there is a knowledge that we ha- we have got to get to work and get get back and get this done. And I think we got to get it done fast. Um, the problem with this, right? The problem with this going forward is to get something done um, in in an in an immediate response. Is not only do you need um, uh, you need you would need uh, enough votes to make sure that they the, you need 60 votes to make and uh, 66 votes. Excuse me for an emergency clause, um, and you'd have to make sure that the governor uh, signs it to make sure something's done immediately. I don't see us getting that kind of cooperation from the governor uh, in this in this in this uh, instance, and so that's the problem. One of the problems that we have now: should we have seen this a long time ago? Yes. Well, two forty-eight, which is uh, is the, is uh, Jennifer Gross's bill that's been uh, sitting there uh, in in health committee. Um, has had a lot of conversations. Um, it is a it is a, it's a it's a very expansive bill. I'm a co-sponsor of it, and I'm supporting it. Um, but we're, what we have to do now is we have to find out exactly what where we need to go to make sure that we're protecting uh, the medical freedom of of Ohioans. I mean, this is really disastrous, actually, right now. Uh, what I'm seeing coming out of our public schools, uh, such as um, the Ohio State. Uh, and Akron and others uh, on the on the mandates for individuals to to get these um, the the uh, the exemptions are not well thought out. The exemptions seem to be very uh, very much on a case by case basis, meaning that you don't know who's sitting behind a, a closed door uh, taking a look at your personal request for an exemption and who's going to say yes or no. So there's conversations down in Columbus right now that we may have to send out a letter. There's a lot of uh, Republicans uh, in this caucus uh, that are thinking about budgetary issues with these public schools. That if they want to be a part of the budget, we're going to be talking about this because there we are very frustrated right now in the in the tact that they're taking so there's multiple layers that are going on uh, multiple things that we need to do obviously we've started this pro- this process you know well before the summer and and now we're here um, trying to trying to finalize and find out where the caucus is going to be, but I think the caucus knows the Republican caucus in the House knows that we have to do something to protect uh, you know our citizens uh, in this in this instance because what is what we're finding out is uh, Chris and I, I I don't know if I had said this before but what we're finding out and knowing is that with all with all the science out there and all the data that we're looking at um, you know you have people. In their in their twenties to to forties uh, and younger, who have decided that you know they're not going to take the experimental drug or the Pfizer vaccine that has been approved, but but uh, there's still questions. They've never answered the questions of the uh, uh, myocarditis and young people. 
you know, there's a lot of issues here that people are concerned with, and they know their risks. It's not that they don't know their risks. This is what has made this so frustrating. So uh, I am pushing in Columbus. There are others that are pushing here to try to get this thing moving forward. Uh, I do think that we'll be we'll be having several conversations uh, as a as an entire caucus, uh, but we have to do something and we have to do it fast because it seems to me that the folks who are targeted would be more conservative in nature. Okay, conservative students, conservative people in the work world, uh, and, conser- and conservative people. Well, we know in the military, um, and it's so it it almost seems. Okay, I'm just going to say this. Um, it almost seems like this is just a little, a little bit of a purge from society. Those who refuse to walk in the uh, COVID nineteen uh, vaccine uh, uh, mandate line, and are, are are wanting to kind of see more evidence and make things. Uh, you know, this is not an anti vaxxer argument, which is what the other side always said, always says, and they they just say it without any uh, statement at all. What this is is an, is, an, is, an, is an argument about whether or not, you know, you as an individual have freedoms um, uh, to, to not have to take uh, this messenger RNA or DNA uh, um, uh, drug, you know, to work. Um, and we know that the Biden administration is pressing down hard uh, on businesses, trying to force them. The Biden administration seems, and the Democrats really seem... A-okay with people losing their jobs. A-okay with people losing their jobs. So that, that is really concerning to me um, in this situation, and I think that we're going to have to install uh, some sort of uh, semblance of medical freedom again and autonomy of choice uh, in going forward, and that could be seen in several different layers. Well, Representative, this is a battle that's going to expand. It's not going to be limited. There are people listening to us right now and say, well, my job's not affected by this, I'm retired, or that doesn't seem to be an issue for me, and I've already been vaccinated. We're saying this isn't about, you know, certainly we're not telling people not to get vaccinated. In fact, you know, I've received all my vaccines from a child on, uh, but this is an experimental drug, and there's a lot of problems with it. And like any new drug or new experiment of vaccine, that was rushed through. By the way, the FDA normally takes up to 10 years for final approval of any drug, and especially a vaccine that was rushed through like this, as they said, Operation Warp Speed. We don't fault government for trying to get out ahead of the coronavirus-19 pandemic. What we fault government for is that they double down on the fault. And what are we talking about? Well, Already, they're talking about boosters. Boost, not just talking, they're issued a, deadline, a date in which they're going to initiate this month of September. Uh, the booster shots will be available. We're talking about people that were just vaccinated four, six months ago, are already a booster shot. And I've talked to people, Representative, who said, I got the vaccine, but I'm not getting the booster. So not only do we have right now, as Governor DeWine said, in my opinion, unwisely, we now have two Ohio's, he said. We actually made a statement about that. We thought that the governor was unwise in saying that. We don't need to be turning people against each other. We need to be unified in this and have an adult conversation like we are today. He said there's two Ohio's, those who are vaccinated and those who are unvaccinated. Well, there's going to be a third category. And, folks, if you've gotten vaccinated but you're not really inclined to get the booster, you're going to become not fully vaccinated. So you may face this very thing where, they're telling you you can't have entrance to this building. And uh, out there on the East Coast, they're already talking in New York City about passports. 
You have to show proof of vaccination to get in a bar, a restaurant, or, uh, you know, they're talking to even grocery stores. So, again, this is ridiculous. We're talking about keeping people from even buying the things that they need to eat and sustain themselves. I mean, Representative, like you said, this is a tyrannical measure that's coming down by the radical left, and they're, they're targeting the general population, which, by the way, it's not a right or left issue. And let me explain. We just got findings. In fact, I'm sorry, that's right, I'm going to defer to you. You did some research, because I've talked to one of my uh, black pastor friends who's a member of the NAACP of Greater Columbus. He actually served on Governor DeWine's task force on COVID-19, encouraging people, one, to uh, get the protection supplies last year before the vaccine was available, and then, of course, uh, to uh, understand about the vaccine when it was going to be available. He was uh, vaccinated. He, there are people, again, who are saying they're not going to get the booster, but he, I said, John, how much of the black community is vaccinated? He said, uh, he said about 50% will not get the vaccine. They have concerns like everyone else. Your thoughts on that, Representative? <clears throat> well, you just, well, you just stated it. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the boosters are next. Are we going to go into another cycle where you don't have the booster? You can't carry your passport. You, you know, for those who have gotten the, the COVID uh, vaccine, whichever one that they have chosen, uh, are, are they going to be willing to keep on going down this road? When there's two things that I see that are, that are happening that are very, very, um, I'm, I'm just going to say it, it's scary in our society. And that is this, this, and this is what government does often. This is, this is, these are political power plays. The political power plays are government uh, to, from the top or individuals or institutions from the top to d try to divide the uh, the folks below them in order to try to make uh, either get political gains and or to enforce uh, uh, certain things. So here's what's happening: is there is there is a tendency to say that the unvaxed they are trying to say that the unvaxed are unsafe. That's just simply uh, not the case. And 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 even though they're trying to force people to think that unvaxed are unsafe. Uh, that's not the, that's not the case. The CDC has already admitted that there are high viral loads that vaccinated people can carry. Therefore, vaccinated these so quote unquote breakthrough cases, you could be from another vaccinated person. This is not a transmission issue just from vaccinated. Now, the other issue is is no one, no one has ever made the case that if we had 100% vaccinate uh, vaccine tomorrow, that this that this is going to go away. No one has ever made that case because of obviously the, 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 the virus uh, can, can exist in animal reservoirs, meaning it can come in and out, um, and it's, not, it's just not going to go away. So the question is, is how are we as a society going to walk forward together knowing that some individuals aren't interested in this and they are not a threat to you if they do not get this? Now, you might argue, well, couldn't they hurt themselves? Possibly. Government is not here to save people from themselves. And they are not a threat to you. So I, this, all of these arguments uh, need to be put to the side. We are not two Ohio's. We are one Ohio. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, I, I hope that we can all come to the conclusion that you shouldn't, you shouldn't lose your job or not be able to walk into a public building because you haven't been vaccinated. And that's where we have to stop this at some point in time. You lose your scholarship, not go to school, not, not, be, in the, not be in the military, uh, be kicked out of the military, all of these things. This is the problem that I think that we're seeing regardless. And it may not stop just with your, 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 your two doses, right, your two shots. This could keep on going. This may never. I, I thought we would be stopped. I thought this would end by now. But I, there, there, the, um, uh, the, the, the continual rhetoric in this 
is just not stopped, and I think it's even increased. That's well, and again, that's right. We were all hoping that the vaccine would work and we'd be able to put 2020 behind us. As of course, it was such a year of tumultuous uh, upheaval in our society with the lockdowns and uh, disruptions of people's everyday life. And of course, people that were in isolation, depression, alcohol and drug abuse actually went through the roof. And, and uh, you know, there was a lot of people who uh, unfortunately passed away. And then uh, our elderly that were isolated in nursing homes and assisted living centers kept from their families uh, due to the virus. But again, so much was done to try to protect people, but in the end, it did more harm probably than it did good. So, for instance, my nursing home facility where my mother was at, they kept us away all year. Then finally, we pushed to get visitation. They were protected visitation, uh, uh, you know, uh, ways in which we could come and meet with mom, but we had to wear masks and all these things. And she has dementia, so it was hard for her to recognize us at the time. They did all those things, and yet. Her nursing home ended up getting hit with COVID in December. After all, she ended up passing away from it. In other words, uh-huh. all the measures that were that meant to keep us away, that was a, a, a year lost of being with my mother, holding her hand, embracing my mother, all the visits she would get from her grandchildren, all taken away. And in the end, government didn't really save her. So, you know, this is what I'm saying is that government does not have the solution, but we do need those fighting for us in Washington and in Columbus. And we're so glad that we have with us State Representative Scott Wiggum of the 1st District of Ohio is with us on the phone, and he's fighting. He's fighting for our individual rights and others with him who are co-sponsors of House Bill 248 and then also other legislative measures that may take place. But, Representative, I'm getting some concerns here because I'm hearing now that the session may not reconvene, not in September, but much in October. This is all going to be a fait complete for hundreds, maybe even thousands of health care workers who are adamant that they're not going to take the vaccine. And they're saying that the deadline is coming, and if you don't get it, this is the date of your termination of employment. We're talking about not just housekeepers and aides and physician assistants, RNs, uh, nurse practitioners, even physicians themselves. If we think that uh, they're understaffed now, think about what's going to happen to these hospitals and hospital associations and uh, nursing homes and medical facilities and clinics once these people are told, there's the door. Last year they were heroes. Now because they won't take the vaccine, again, they have reasons for health or religious conscience or personal reasons why they're not, and yet they were unprotected last year, but this year they're going to be thrown out the door. This is what's happening. This is a major problem for our state that, uh, quite honestly, the hospitals and the medical profession is the number one employer of our state. Your thoughts? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're a hero the year before, and this year you're unemployed. And then we're going to have um, hospitals probably... Uh, complaining about the fact of the lack of employment and that they can't find people and that they're overloaded. I mean, those are that's that's what we may very well be seeing. So this, th- I, I agree with you on on, on this issue. Uh, I know that there are many of us that are saying we need to get we need to get back and we need to get back soon. Um, I haven't heard the October um, uh, deadline for session starting. I'm still on the on the sept- mid September track, but. But my point is, is that really we are calling for our 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 House caucus, um, you know, of Republicans to get together. Uh, we need to do it uh, sooner rather than later, and find out exactly where we can be and exactly what we can do. But once again, I told you that the the real problem is in this 
not only do you have to have 66 votes to do something immediately with emergency factor, then you have to have the, the, the governor uh, also sign it. So we, we're not going to have 66 votes on this. Uh, there are only 64 Republicans. Um, and um, and we may may very well not have the governor sign something, uh, depending on what that is. Those are problems that that are real problems that we have going forward right now. Well, leadership both in the House and the Senate have yet been very quiet on this issue. And uh, of course, there's been some protests at the state house, but I dare say that those are going to grow. There's actually now lawsuits with the Cincinnati Hospital with nurses there filing a lawsuit of unlawful loss of employment over this issue of mandated vaccine of the COVID-19. And when we talk about the Pfizer was uh, approved, it, and again, this is interesting because it wasn't fully approved. It has benchmarks uh, that are coming up of, again, it's like it's approved, but we're still, we're still monitoring the situation of, of these uh, ill side effects of people. We're talking about serious side effects, Representative, including death. There's 24,000 right. people and that number is higher now. This is by the VAERS website of the CDC that have yeah. died in association of the vaccine. Past vaccines and medications that have just uh, uh, maybe 100 people that die, they pull it from the market. What in the world is going on here? Why, why does everybody seem to be turning the, other, uh, turning the other way instead of looking at the evidence? Your thoughts? <clears throat> well, Chris, I, I just don't know. I mean, you can you can think about this um, in in the, in the in the sense that somebody's making money. Um, government is using this. Listen, there are a lot of folks in government. There's good people in government, but there's a lot of folks in government that know that they get through get things done, especially at the at the federal level, by creating crisis after crisis after crisis. I mean, think about it. When have we not been in crisis mode in the last three years? I don't. I can't remember. Uh, everything has been a crisis, even before COVID hit. Um, so that that is one of the problems that we have. And yes, um, it, I think that we, you know, my party, we need to start actually, you know, gearing in and um, um, gearing up. And basically, instead of just reacting, there's too much reaction that we have going on right now. We have got to put plans in place um, and think 10 years down the road because the other side's doing that all the time. Um, but, but absolutely, right now, we've got to get back together, and we've got to come up with solutions. Um, and I think that we can, and I think that we'll have those, um, but it's just going to take some time to do that. So, What can the uh, listeners do? Obviously, call their representatives, call their state senators, uh, email them the concerns of this issue. Even if you're vaccinated, and you may, not, you may or may not be getting the booster if it's available, uh, you certainly care about people's rights, and, and you know people in your own family. It may be even your husband or wife where you got the vaccine and you know that they can't. I mean, blood clot issues are serious for a lot of people, and there are people that are not getting the vaccine because it, it has been notorious of uh, exacerbating the problem with uh, blood clots. So real serious health reasons people are not getting the vaccine. Those of you listening, you know that in your own family, in your own network, and you want to raise your voice on their concern. Not that we're throwing away the vaccine, but what we're saying is it ought to be an option. So we encourage you to call your state representative, call your state senator, and urge them that there be these expanded exemptions for those employed in medical facilities and hospitals. And we're talking about doctors, nurses, many of them, of course. And let's, let's not forget this fact. If you've had COVID and recovered, you have immunities, you have antibodies. 
In fact, a, a study out of Israel says that you're 13 times more protected than you are as if you were vaccinated right. by the immunities, natural immunities that came as if you had COVID and recovered. Many of these healthcare professionals, of course, being on the front lines, they already were exposed, uh, already had COVID, recovered. So you would think that they wouldn't need the vaccine. So, and of course, the science is, if you've had it, you can't spread it and you can't acquire it. And there's no evidence that the Delta variant is attacking those people that have had COVID and recovered. These are just facts. Now, they're difficult to spread because on social media, I mean, this is another thing. You talk about censorship, Representative Twitter and Facebook and all that. Now, they let some things to be posted, and we've actually been using it on our membership page. And if you're a user of Facebook, you can find us, Ohio Christian Alliance. It's a membership page, and just go ahead and request. We'll put you on, and then that way you can get some of this timely information. Uh, your thoughts about how this might be breaking down in discussion as time goes on, Representative? Well, the uh, uh, I, w- I want to start with the... Uh, uh, you are absolutely correct that no one seems to want to talk about natural immunity, um, which which is very curious in the fact that um, at first I remember calling and talking to folks and they were like, well, we don't know how long natural immunity lasts. Well, now we're trying to now we're starting to find out that maybe the vaccine lasts between actually six and eight months, and the natural immunity is much longer than that. And even as you said, the study in it from Israel uh, was about thirteen times. But that that makes you think, why is there such a push for this and not taking in all of the research and data that we have and making helping to make decisions uh, with people on that? They just simply do not care whether you've had uh, uh, whether you have natural immunity. I think that's a real serious issue. We're talking with State Representative Scott Wiggum of the 1st District. And, Representative, uh, we want folks to be able to contact you. How can they do that? Well, they can, they can contact me um, I, either through uh, looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, let me see, Scott, they can just Google me. If they Google or DuckDuckGo me, they will find me. I will be, uh, I have a uh, state house website. Um, I have several, uh, I have a, a campaign website. I've got several websites, but they can just uh, look me up and they will find information. They'll find my phone number and my email. All they got to do is uh, put in uh, DuckDuckGo, Scott, um, with two T's, Wiggum, W-I-G-G-A-M. Uh, they can get in contact with me and we can, uh, and we can uh, you know, I'd love to hear their thoughts and go from there. But I want to encourage folks, too, as, as we go forward. That probably the most important thing is for individuals to find their representatives and make sure that they're communicating with them, because that's Absolutely. going to be the most important thing that anybody in Ohio can do right now. Absolutely. Thank you, Representative. We appreciate it so much, all your work, and thank you for fighting for thank our you. freedoms. Again, that was thank State you for your Representative work, Scott Wiggum. Thank you. And uh, you can uh, find out all this information on our website at ohioca.org. And again, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety on our pro- on our website at ohioca.org. You can also find the uh, broadcast on your popular podcast as well and listen to it through the week. Thank you for listening, and again, God bless you all, and we'll see you next week. And don't forget about the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet coming up on September the 17th at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. 
That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.